Hey, nomads. It's week seven of 2024. And we are the United Digital Nomads. listening to the United Digital Nomads. My friends call me LP. My enemies don't call me. For this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Holly McCann. So let me ask you, what do the following have in common? Lawyer, boutique shop owner, business coach, CEO of a startup. All of these show up on Holly's resume, and they are all part of her journey. A fascinating journey at that that led her to Asheville and ultimately to the United Digital Nomads. As a reminder, you may hear terms in the conversation like AVLDN or AVL Digital Nomads. The AVL Digital Nomads are part of what has become an expanded vision, the United Digital Nomads. So with that, a conversation with Holly McCann. Okay, I'm here on a beautiful morning with Holly McCann. Holly, how are you? I'm doing very well, thanks. It's bright and sunny out. It looks like it's about 40 degrees and it's going to get up to 60. So thank you, February in Asheville. That's why I moved here. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, we've been um, highlighting a locally produced beverage with each of our episodes. And today, um, especially since we were planning to do this on a Saturday morning, um, we decided to go with tea and we're going with an Asheville tea called Snow Day. Totally not climate appropriate for this day, but it's still delicious. And it has cacao nibs, peppermint, and marshmallow root. And what do you think? Yeah, I love Asheville Tea Company. They're one of the fantastic local businesses that interoperates and promotes other businesses. So, yeah, they're one of my favorites. Absolutely. And what do you think of the tea? It's delicious. All right. So shout out to Asheville Tea, and we recommend Snow Day, even on a non-snowy day. (laughs) So Holly McCann, tell me your story. Tell me about Holly McCann. Oh, goodness. Uh, in two minutes or less, right? Right. Um, yeah, so let's see. I was the oldest of four children. No, just kidding. I mean, I was, <laughs> but um, I started out my career as a lawyer. I was a lawyer and corporate executive for 12 years, um, the vice president general counsel of an HMO in the Silicon Valley. Um, and then when my kids were young, I was tired of carpooling and raising my children on the freeway of the Silicon Valley. So we moved to Chapel Hill. I was telecommuting back to California for board meetings and leading legal teams um, as a remote worker before there were any tools to be able to do. We were doing multi-party lines on the telephone to have team conferences and things like that. Um, That was in 2000. And um, two years later, I opened my own retail stationery boutiques, as you do when you you exit the law. Yeah, it seems like a natural path. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so yeah, having no real awareness of how to run a retail business, um, I just had a very great passion for stationery and paper and, um, wedding invitations and typography and font layouts and things like that. So opened my store in Chapel Hill in 2002, opened a second one in Charlotte in 2006, and then did that until 2013. Um, so again, felt like, okay, I've kind of maxed out this career. Sure. I'm looking for something different, something to stretch me a little more. 
Um, and I had become sort of a thought leader in that niche industry. And I was informally coaching and consulting with other store owners, paper manufacturers, you know, the trade show would be like old home week, just connecting with all these different people and talking about the business. So I found that I really loved that. So I closed my boutiques and started doing business coaching and consulting, launched a couple of different um, eight-week online programs for people all around the world that hit to great success in the first year. Second year did it again, and things were starting to slow down. But this was sort of what I call the beginning of the dark night of the soul in my life. Sort of all these things kind of came to a screeching halt that were like, you got to look at some things. You've got to stop running so crazy, taking on so much responsibility. I mean, at one point I had six startup businesses that were all mm. operating at one time. I was sort of in that entrepreneurial frenzy and it was burying me. Right. Um, so I really just had to start taking a hard look of how do you, how do you lead life differently? Um, and then, you know, a series of events happened 20-year marriage came to an end. My mom, who had been living with us, passed away after seven years with ovarian cancer. Mm. My my son was already off at college. My daughter was getting ready to get off to college. My businesses were kind of coming to a screeching halt, and I didn't know why. So finally, I just had to sort of throw up my hands and surrender. And um, after my daughter graduated high school a year later, I just sold pretty much everything I owned and packed up a U-Haul trailer and drove across country to Boulder and moved to Boulder. Um, and did you know anybody there? I didn't know anybody there. Um, it was quite the experience, but it was just really, really drawing me. And, um, I'd been there a couple of times. My son was going to school at the university of Denver. My daughter simultaneously chose to go to CU Boulder. So we all three ended up there together, which was fantastic and really unscripted, but amazing. So in that, within three weeks, I was offered the CEO position of a startup organization with the spiritual teacher that really aligned with a lot of things that I was looking at how we help the world through business and how we change the systems and structures that underlie our entire civilization that are really outdated. And how did you find this spiritual leader? I, a couple of friends had been sending me videos of his talks that I'd been listening to and I was listening to them a lot on the drive across country, especially going through the cornfields of Kansas. Right, <laughs> I of course. Need something to what like yeah. keep me awake. Um, but then all of a sudden, he announced on one of his videos that he was having a workshop in Boulder, and then he said the date, and it was the morning that I was arriving. So I literally drove up to my new apartment, unhooked the trailer, and drove across town to his workshop. That and is. <laughs> he was it's laying crazy. out his, it's crazy, right? Yeah. He was laying out his plan for like how we, you know, basically come into a, a mutually thriving civilization by 2035. And, and I was like, yes, yes, yes. This is all the things that I'm really caring about and thinking about. And so, yeah, three weeks later, he was offering me the CEO position and stayed with them for six months on kind of a wild ride. And um, where was he based, though? He wasn't based in he Boulder. He was based in Boulder. Oh, he was based yes. in Boulder. Okay. Yes. And I didn't know that until I showed up at this workshop. Once again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that was an amazing time. Um, really moved through a lot of challenges with growth and evolution of a, of a startup with, like that, but um, with a very powerful founder. Um, but then once I left that, I fell in with some people in Boulder that were working on how do we come up with a a whole mutually thriving ecosystem for Boulder. And all this whole systems design is everything that was 
drawing me into this field. Um, it's the way I would run my businesses. It was the way I ran my legal department. Um, is constantly like, how do we draw in all the stakeholders that have an impact on this? Right. Um, so yeah, then led on a series of, gosh, seven years of traveling all around the world, falling in with one synchronicity after another to live with startup team founders, to work with these startup teams really all around the world of how we do things differently, how we lead in a more regenerative way that hmm. brings more life and thriving to the world as opposed to extracting it out of our people, our teams, ourselves, our, the planet. Um, and that's been my passion. It's been evolving through me since, gosh, well, most strongly since 2016. And so uh, five years ago, I launched something called Grail Leadership. Okay. Um, and I talk about the holy grail, W-H-O-L-L-Y, of how we come into wholeness within ourselves, balancing out those polarities of the masculine feminine energies so that they're not warring in opposition. They're actually dancing in harmony and serving each other. And then how we're doing that at every scale within our business teams, organizing roundtables of cross-functional um, collaborations between multi multiple stakeholders, sure. you know, aligning supply chains, aligning all the different um, organizations that might have an impact on something like clean water in the community or food sovereignty and um, homelessness. You know, how, how do we address these things, not in our individual silos, but how do we bring multiple perspectives together to, to arrive at a solution that really nobody could see coming? Right. So that's been my passion and my focus. Okay, so what year did you go to Boulder? 2016. Okay, so by then... Because I, I, if I recall right, the startup scene really started humming about two thousand five, six in Boulder. So yes. you're there, you're landing there. Was it, was any of that a draw to you, or were you did you just pick it on the map? No, it was very much a draw to me. I really wanted to be in an active outdoor lifestyle place mm. in the mountains, which I you know absolutely love, and I needed to be around a, a vibrant entrepreneurial community that was really all about thinking differently, operating differently. So, right. Yeah. So next question, because you just alluded to it, I was going to skip this for a little bit later, but th then how did you arrive in Asheville? Yeah. So this, after traveling, like I was living really as a nomad. I've had my things in storage since 2016, 2017, um, and living out of a suitcase and a backpack for so long and loving it. And then about a year ago, I started getting to feel like I really want to settle down and form community, like let some roots grow. Um, and I was really called to Maine. I felt like Boulder mm. was a fabulous place. I absolutely love it. I have deep ties and roots there, and it felt like I was ready for something different. Um, so for some reason, Maine was drawing me. So I went the first half of last year and just traveled all around coastal Maine and did house sitting and Airbnbs to really get a feel for it. And it's gorgeous. People are kind and friendly, but everything's so spread out that there's right. no real easy way to dock into community. So I was starting to get really isolated and lonely. And then I was on the call with my friend who had reached out. She hadn't reached out in a couple of years. We hadn't spoken. She's like, you've really been on my mind. What's up with you? <laughs> so I told her what was happening and she's like, oh, come down here for a visit. She lives in Asheville, 25 acres in East Asheville. It feels like you're in the middle of a rainforest in this gorgeous home. And she's sending me pictures of the guest bedroom that's beautifully decorated. And I'm like, yeah, that would be a really nice visit. So sure. I drove down thinking I was going to come down for a couple of weeks. And as I came over that pass from Johnson City, so <laughs> you know, know you the mean. pass. <laughs> I so know what you mean. 
Yeah, there's a very similar one going into Boulder Valley as well. Something happened in my energy. I totally get this. And I remembered all the ways that I loved Asheville. Mm. All the times when I was leading my coaching programs, I would lead retreats for weeks up in Asheville, you know, bringing people out to the different restaurants and the scene here. And I was like, oh, right. I really love Asheville. And I had this thought of like, maybe I'm supposed to move to Asheville. It really surprised me because I thought I was done with North Carolina and it was done with me. But um, no, Asheville really drew me in immediately. So first week I went on Meetup went to a 1 million cups and I went to an Asheville digital nomads event and instantly it was like Asheville was just like embracing me and bringing me in. I thought, Oh yeah, this is what I'm looking for. Like a warm energetic hug. Yeah. A warm energetic embrace and a vibrancy of just an entrepreneurial community that is really um, supportive of Mm -hmm. each other and very welcoming and friendly. And yeah, I was just really blown away. So it just escalated from there that it just kept went to the farmer's market um, on, at UNC campus that weekend. And yeah, so it's... It so had... you're searching all up and down coastal Maine. And then what you really needed to do was just be pointed a little bit further south. Exactly. <laughs> a little bit further west. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are. Yeah. So back to the specific things that you were doing with your business before Grail, when you were working with companies to help them become less of a deficit on the earth and more of a positive impact. What are some of the things, areas that you would attack or what are some of the, the ways that a business can consider that? Right. Well, one of the first things is really how do you align with nature's principles? Mm. Nature has so much to teach us. You know, we often think we've got to, we're, we're smarter than nature. We can control nature. We can overcome nature. Nature has it all figured out and has for eons. Yeah. And um, it operates in ecosystems. You know, no one aspect of nature is is in a silo on right. their own. They all symbiotically exist. And we are nature. I mean, we're all the same minerals of the earth, you know, elements and all that sort of thing. So when we can start to embrace that we actually are not separate from nature, that we are a part of nature, part of those rhythms and cycles, and then start looking at our businesses, not as business organizations, but as living organisms of humans Mm. that are gathering to make some sort of an impact. And typically we see sort of the playbook that I call it, the success playbook is profit, growth, exit strategy, right? right? No mention of why does this business exist? What, Mm. how does it move the needle in any way? How does it impact people's lives, their, you know, flow of their day, whatever that might be, or the planet. Um, And it doesn't always have to be this social benefit focus. It's just, here's a widget that helps people, you know, open jars easier. Sure. Okay. There's your impact. So when you can really get clear on, we're here to make widgets that help people open jars more easily, then everything that you're doing should support that. And the money comes and is an essential component, but it is more of a byproduct of a healthy ecosystem as opposed to the goal to go get money. And I really have been shown over many years of contemplating this through all my journeys through different leadership um, scenarios is there's this fundamental flaw in our system that we've gotten so focused on is profit, profit, profit. But when you look at the, the basic formula for profit, it's what's the least that I can put in to get the most out. Right. And you think of it as this like scarce, you know, I've got to get mine before someone else gets theirs. 
you're always going to be extracting, you know? So when you can go and look at what nature does, nature operates in this symbiosis that an ecosystem provides absolutely everything that it needs to thrive. Right. And it, if it needs to grow, it will provide the resources and, and have the resources that are needed to grow. And everything keeps going back into the system to help the system thrive. So it's, it's a fundamental way that we can shift our focus right. in our organizations. And you are going to be thriving. You are going to be prosperous, but you're also going to be making an impact and people will be more highly engaged because they're connecting to something meaningful to them right. as opposed to just, I'm just punching a clock and working for the man. I mean, we see it so much in the great exodus and the people really burnout is at record rates. They're checked out, you know, because people aren't giving them a reason of like, this is why you're here. This is how your work impacts the whole. Yeah. So. Yeah. I so get that sentiment, by the way, going every single day to a corporation for 12 years, fantastic company to work for, great people, great pay, great benefits. But at the end of so many years of not really knowing how I'm even contributing to the company, let alone to society, it's, um, it, uh, it feels like every day that you go and swipe your badge, a little piece of your soul is like left at <laughs> the door, right. you know? Yes. Did you find that when you were working with a, a company, because you said every company has then their own ecosystem of other companies that are like tier one, tier two, tier three suppliers. Did you find that as you're working with a company, other companies said, hey, what's going on over there? We might want that framework over here. Yes, that's exactly how it happens. It happens in this organic growth through what I, what I really talk about a lot is resonance. Mm. Um, and so there's, there's you know, an energetic magnetism that happens when one organization is really clear about what their role is, what their vision and purpose is, and it aligns with another one that's also very clear about what theirs is. And it's, by the way, not to just strike a profit, you know, it's mm -hmm. and return profit to shareholders. It's here's the purpose that we're existing for. Yeah. And then when they start to see that they have individual pieces of the same puzzle, then they start to gravitate toward each other. And that's where I talk about the round table is like you can imagine each seat around the round table is has a piece to contribute to the center, which is the shared goal, the shared vision. Um, but then it also aligns with their individual purpose as well. By, mm -hmm. by contributing to that shared vision, they're supporting themselves. And when you can think about that at every micro, macro level as an individual, is like, oh, I work for this organization that fills me up because this is aligned with what I want to be doing in the world. And I see how my piece helps support that and I'm supported by that. Right. So, and then you take it out to multi-stakeholders. I mean, you could take it out to multinational corporations ecosystems of multinational corporations, it can get as large as you want, as long as you're really solidly clear on that core original intention of yeah. what, what everybody's, you know, centering around. Yeah, I could see how that, that, that would just continue to grow and grow because every company has their own ecosystem. And even if you're in that company's ecosystem, you, the, your own ecosystem might vary a bit and spread out from there. So that's, that's it. There's that. a term called uh, holon, which means that every piece is a whole and a piece of a larger whole. And you see that in nature in every, they call it fractal patterns. You know, mm. every like component is a whole and complete, every atom and every molecule is a whole and complete ecosystem in and of itself. And it's a component of a larger ecosystem. Right. It takes it all the way from the, the nanoparticles of our cells on up to the cosmos. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. So you've been in Asheville a year yeah, no, not quite. Only about seven months. Okay. And so what's your favorite aspect of Asheville? Mm. 
gosh, it's hard to pick one. There are so many. And there's one that's like really hard to describe. It's just a vibrancy. Yeah. You know, there's an energy that you can feel yeah. that you can't really name other than you know it when you feel it. Yeah. You're nodding your head. I mean, that's that's it. And it's it's a com- combination of absolutely gorgeous views. You drive anywhere and you're looking at the Blue Ridge Mountains. Right. Especially on like a misty morning, you know, that sort of thing. Um, or when there's a dusting of snow up on the mountaintops. Or when you really get that, oh, I see why they're called the Blue Ridge Mountains. Exactly. And hiking, like, I I don't know that I'll ever be able to even touch all the hikes that are around here. There are so many everywhere you turn for such a large radius and even close in. um, There's a local downtown that feels alive with Mm -hmm. a cohesion um, and a, I don't know, like a vibrancy. And then the people that you meet, just people are here because... They love a healthy outdoor lifestyle. There's a real beautiful connection to organic farmers and local farmers that's being supported. I mean, what do we have, seven farmers markets? Yes, absolutely. That's insane. Yeah. So, I mean, I can go on and on, but I think the the one word I would say is vibrancy. Love that. That's going in the brochure. (laughs) (laughs) This is a question that I've also asked others that I've interviewed, and I'm going to be curious to see how you approach this based on the methodology that you're coming from with your work life. But if you were a mayor of Asheville for one day, what challenge would you go after? Hmm. I think one that's very prominent and in our face that is so large and complex that thinking about being a mayor for a day, why would you even begin to touch that? I would want to try to address homelessness. Sure. I would want to bring in every single stakeholder, organization, individual, best thinkers for like a day long retreat and just be like, all right, yes, it's huge. Yes, it's multi-pronged, multifaceted, complex, and we're going to solve this. Yeah. There is such an overabundance of commercial office space, parking lots, land. Like, there are ways that we can address this. Um, and there have been efforts and heroic efforts, but it's really going to take getting everybody that has a piece to play around yeah. the table. Yeah, and there's that whole old adage of how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, but you don't do it in one sitting either. Yeah, and often each organization that's addressing it has a piece. Sure. And we aren't going to be able to solve a complex, multifaceted you know, issue like this with a bunch of piecemeal efforts. Right. It really is a holistic approach. Right. And I think that is why people get burned out. Like they're they're doing a lot to contribute to it, but they're not seeing the results because they only have a piece. Right. So. Well, so you're on the ballot for the, the day-long mayor. <laughs> right. Ship. Okay. I love this. So let's talk specifically about Asheville Digital Nomads. You told us already how you discovered it, which was through the Meetup app. Do you recall the first event that you went to? I was trying to remember. I think that it was um, the AI... Um, Hacks and Hops was just getting started. It was at Archetype Brewing. And I was curious about AI. It had come up in my field multiple times in the weeks before. I'd been a little, well, a lot resistant to it. And then I was finally like, all right, I just need to understand more and begin to embrace it. So I went and um, met Amy Jackson from the chamber. I was sitting next to her. We struck up a great conversation. Um, Ben, who was leading it, was doing a fantastic job. Jeffrey Kaplan was there. And I was just really blown away by the techies and non-techies that were in the room. And everybody had something to contribute and receive from it. I was just really like, okay, this is is further confirmation that 
I'm loving this place. Yeah, you're in the right place. Okay, so I also realize that you are on the leadership team right. for AVLDN. And so could you maybe just describe how did that come about? Yeah, so I uh, the first event that I went to, I met Rick. And I think it was the second event I went to, he was mentioning that um, somebody in the Digital Nomads had brought up, like, hey, it'd be really great if we had a leadership collaboration. Mm. Um, and that is obviously my passion. Right up your and alley. so yeah. I went up to Rick and said, I, I would love to be a part of that. You know, how, how can I help? And uh, so we kept meeting and then lo and behold, I was starting it. And so I've been facilitating the Leadership on Tap collab uh, for a few months now, probably four or five months. And um, really, I've just enjoyed getting to know Rick and understanding his vision and how Digital Nomads came about and just the skyrocketing growth that it's enjoyed and um, so he was really talking to me about his vision of, you know, expanding into United Digital Nomads and right. going countrywide and eventually beyond the borders of the U.S. Um, globally, potentially. And of course, I love that vision and I love getting in on the ground floor to where we can shape things, especially when they're mission driven. So um, I started, you know, he said, I want to pick your brain about a few things. So I started sharing kind of my vision that I was describing to you of the round table and the, the fractal organic natural growth and, and all that and how you really need to be very clear on your mission as you grow so that that stays intact and it doesn't get diluted as the, as the organization gets expanded. So then we were talking about how to do that and um, I was advocating like really let's let's get a planning strategy session together. So I just a couple of weeks ago um, helped facilitate a strategic planning session for the group of six leaders that we identified that felt um, like we were saying stewards, you know, who are the people that you just know, they just embody the values and the vision of Asheville Digital Nomads and, yes. and they're ambassadors that will carry that out there for you. Um, and so, yeah, it was a fantastic thing. And one of the things that you were saying about, you know, non-techie is that an impact, we absolutely were saying it's not just tech. I mean, I've got the leadership collab, there's a marketing one, um, but working with AI in a way we had a part of the session was what's our 10 year vision, just big, hairy, audacious goals, spitballing. What's the grand, grandest thing you can imagine 10 years from now we're sitting here talking about, wow, we didn't see that coming. And somebody threw out, Oh, we've had an influence on how AI is used in a really humane, you know, positive, beneficial way. <laughs> and so we were like, all right. So there's, there's a grand vision there as well as an attention to local impact is a wow. huge value. Yeah. So how do we not only serve the remote workers, so the tagline we came up with a, to just briefly describe the mission is helping remote workers thrive. Right. And, you know, that has three components of connection, collaboration, and local community impact, mm. which is what just organically having Rick tell the story of the origin of Asheville Digital Nomads is just how it happened organically. He just noticed, like, people were really wanting to connect, and then they started collaborating, and then we were starting to have an impact on the local community, and that's a big value of how we, you know, leave a trace in a good way and, right. and realize that a lot of remote workers moving into this area are potentially a, a strain on the local economy and community. So how do we, how do we counterbalance that and actually make it a, a more positive impact? Yes. So I have a few more questions for you. Okay. Can you think of a specific standout success story that happened because AVLDN exists? 
Well, one that comes to mind initially is Corey and Sarah's um, partnership. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're in relationship and they met at an early Asheville Digital Nomads event. And now they're two of the, the leaders there. So right. uh, we were saying like this is such a, um, a beautiful connecting community that it will spawn, you know, families, communities, businesses right. um, through that resonance, through that coherence that happens in those communities. So funny thing is... Uh, I've interviewed Corey, and that was his success story as well. Okay. I mean, you know, because it's, it's just right there. It's obvious. But he will have been the first episode, and you're going to be the second. So people are going to hear that <laughs> success story two times. Okay. Two, so we'll two come weeks up with another one. Oh, no, no, no. No, no. That's perfect. Okay. So I know that you've only been here seven months, but let's pretend that you have to move away, and you come back into Asheville for one day and one night. Where are you going to go? Mm. And what are you going to do? Again, there's so many options. Mm -hmm. It's tough to narrow that down. I think I would have dinner at Curate, which is amazing. Great idea. I haven't been back since uh, I left to go to Boulder. So I would definitely do that. Um, I would definitely take a hike. I would visit... One of the many favorite coffee shops that I have. Okay. <laughs> and I would drop by Hatch Coworking. It seems to be a hub of so many people that are connected to Asheville Digital Nomads, connected to the vibrant business community mm. in downtown Asheville. Um, yeah, and I think I would just go sit by the river for a while. That sounds most, like a good... Most likely the Swananoa River. That sounds like a balanced day. You're, right? you're getting some entertainment. You're getting some of the taste of Asheville. Meeting up with some, some pals and taking in the beauty. Exactly. I love it. Well, Holly McCann, I appreciate your time. Is there anything else that you want to tell the AVLDN folks or the United Digital Nomads? No, other than there's a place for everyone. You know, we've talked about really valuing... Um, providing a lots of more intimate spaces for introverts. We have a lot of introverts in mm-hmm. our organization. And um, as we get to have these, you know, 100, 200, 300 person events, we want to make sure that there's still small meet up for lunch with a group of 10 people, meet up for coffee, meet up for cocktails, where they're just 10 to 15 people. Um, and even the large events, having ways for introverts to be able to connect and feel welcomed and have a place to dock in and, and um, yeah, and find their own way through that that large event perfect thanks again holly thank you that is a wrap for episode two for week seven of 2024 i want to thank holly for her time and for graciously sharing her story you'll find a link to her linkedin profile in the show notes shout out to Asheville tea company for the perfect accompaniment to our conversation Uh, there's a link to Asheville tea company in the show notes as well Up next week, I have a conversation with my friend, the man, the myth, the legend, Brock Busby. There's a link also in the show notes to the United Digital Nomads meetup group. As you can tell from these conversations, this is a vibrant, active meetup group with a diverse lineup of events. So check it out and get connected. Would love to see you at an upcoming event. I've also included links to all the things related to the United Digital Nomads in the show notes. And finally, I want to thank you, wherever you are in the world, 
for listening to this, the United Digital Nomads podcast. Mm-hmm.